Come on, good morning to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Come on, Midlothian, let's say good morning to the chaplain, Richmond. Glad you're with us today. Good morning, good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are in a mini-series called Generous. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But as always, I love to look in the uh, back of the room at the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond and Scott's Edition. Love what God's doing in the city there. And of course, the men and women of Chesterfield County Jail. You're not a project to us. You're our people. Merry Christmas. Good morning. Glad you're with us. And the people in Overflow in Midlothian, uh, good morning to you as well. How's everybody doing? Good? Glad to have you here, and uh, let me just remind you, you heard it, First Wednesday is going to be amazing, got something special planned, both campuses, 7 p.m., and uh, something we've not done before, you're not going to want to miss that, and then of course, RSVPs, I'm just reminding you that they that the Christmas Eve services start December 18th, so look at some of the times we've adjusted those, and there are 10 gatherings, so that lets us make sure we have enough hot chocolate and gets, I don't even know, are we doing hot chocolate this year? We are now. And, uh, um, but uh, it keeps us all spread out and uh, makes sure we have enough services, all those kind of things. So you want to be a part of that. And then as always, we have a missions focus at the end of the year that we'd love to give into. We've identified a couple different uh, ministry needs, not only our next building expansion. Man, you all are so generous. Thank you. We've had a great year and uh, year-end giving is right now. And then uh, chapel in, in ministry in the jail and chapel in Espanol. So many exciting things happening in the life of our church. You know, I never ask you what amount to give. We just ask you to pray and ask God to, to tell you uh, what amount he'd have you give as we all year end um, get ready to set aside some resources so God can do amazing things in 2023. Well, I want to preach to you uh, this weekend on the most famous verse in the Bible, the most famous verse in the Bible. Somebody want to take a guess what the most famous verse in the Bible is? Come on, it's John 3.16. How many have ever heard of that? Have you heard of that? In fact, I'm convinced people who didn't even grow up in church know John 3.16. You say, why is it the greatest verse in the Bible? Well, it's the greatest verse in the Bible because it contains the greatest news in the Bible, okay? And so I want to spend a few moments this weekend unpacking how generous our God is and amazingly generous he is. And so I'm going to preach from just one verse. And as I started to dive in this week, I could I, I, I never do this, so I'm apologizing up front. There are 12 points in one verse that you all know. And so I'm going to go, if you listen fast, I'll talk fast. How many say amen to that, right? But I'm convinced sometimes when we know a verse like this, we're almost blind to its impact and its emphasis in our lives. And so I want to, I want to help us see it with new eyes and fresh eyes, what the Bible says about God's great love for us. In fact, probably whether or not you grew up in church, you, you, you've heard of John 3.16. It's kind of almost a cultural reality around our, around our world. In fact, if you've ever heard of the, uh, um, the chain in and out burger in California they literally have the verse John 3:16 on the bottom of their cup because you're going to experience eternal life if you eat a lot of this food right <laughs> pretty quick <laughs> not only that but I don't know if you've ever seen this forever 21 how many have ever shopped there uh, okay well uh it literally right on their bag come on John 3:16 and 
It's just part of our culture, right? John 3, 16. And maybe the way that, that recently in the last season of our world that this verse had the most cultural pop, anybody want to take a guess, is when a football player, come on, who knows what I'm talking about, name, come on, somebody, Tim Tebow, you remember, you remember this? He he put he put three sixteen on on the uh, the paint under his eyes, and and all of a sudden, you know, for the next two days, this was the most Googled thing in the universe. One hundred and eighty six thousand Google searches an hour. How many think that's pretty incredible? And uh, and and God just used it to get. I mean, how cool is that to have that many people looking up God's great love? And and the thing I love about this uh, verse is it really summarizes the mission of God, of our generous God. In fact, when we think of generosity, we think of it flowing straight out of the nature of God. So I'm going to ask us to read uh, John three sixteen out loud together. Okay, come on, let's do it. Come on, here we go. Ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only son that whoever believes in him should perish but let's do verse 17 too for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him all right let's get going here because I gotta use all the time I can I'm just gonna kind of pop 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 you ready okay here it is the first way I see this verse starting is for God this is deep isn't it I want you to know life only makes sense when it starts with God. And in fact, the whole Christmas is not about you and I consuming more things. In fact, how many know our culture has enough consumption and commercial, uh, commercial, I mean, all, I mean, just all, but, but the world only makes sense when you start with God. Here's why this is the greatest verse in the Bible, because it starts with the greatest being. And you know, I, I don't believe our life will ever make sense without God. And whether, whether you've struggled understanding him completely or even if you're not a Christian or read the Bible, the, the Bible tells us that the attributes of God are seen in creation. How many have ever looked at the stars and thought to yourself, there's got to be a God, right? <laughs> or you've been at the beach. Come on, how, doesn't the beach sound good right now? Yeah. And you, you saw a sunset and you thought, there's got to be a God. Or you were in the mountains and you thought, there's got to be a God. Or come on, come on, Thanksgiving, a nice pumpkin pie. And you knew there was a, a God, you know. In fact, I love what Max Lucado says. He says, the greatest missionary in the universe is the universe. Meaning that when, even if you don't look at the Bible, if you just look at the complexity of the world and the beauty of things around us, you can realize there is a God. In fact, it used to be believed that things moved evolutionary from smaller simplicity to larger complexity until we gained more and more scientific understanding. And then we learned that even when you put things under a microscope, far from looking more and more simple, they became more and more complex, didn't they, right? The cell or DNA, and you, you realize all the complexity that there is. And, and, and now you can just believe and our culture and some colleges will teach you that this whole world happened with just an explosion. And that's like believing, it's like walking out into the parking lot today and me just telling you, you know how all these cars got here? How? Just a giant explosion. And a bunch of metal was there and it all came together and formed these cars. How many know that just, uh, how many know uh, design doesn't come out of chaos? And where you see design, there has to be a, come on somebody, a 
a designer, right? If there's design, there's a designer, right? And, and so, you know, this microphone was made, your watch, your computer. You, you never say to yourself, like, this laptop, I don't know, uh, somebody dropped some sh sheet metal and it just popped up, you know? Because how many know design declares designer? And that's what the psalmist is teaching us, that throughout nature, even if you're not sure about the existence of God, when you look at the world around you, I love how the psalmist says it, the heavens, come on somebody, they what? declare do you know every day shouting from from creation the, the mountains and the sunshine and the and and the beauty of life i remember uh, the first baby that was born katie and i go how do we go from two to three this little baby you take her home and it's just how did this get here and she's got these little little uh fingernails and these tiny little toes and and she goes to the bathroom so much and there's got how many know there is life makes sense shouting from creation is the greatest being of all the god of the universe and i'm telling you your life won't make sense until you have god in it right in fact i actually think it takes more faith to not believe in god than believe in god I think it takes more faith to actually believe everything is a random, where our earth just happens to not be close enough to the sun so we don't burn up. It happens to not be far enough so we don't freeze to death. I mean, the reality is, in fact, scientists are telling us that they're exploring more and more galaxies in the universe. And our current, our current um, galaxy compared to the size of the universe is the same as an atom compared to the current universe we understand. I mean, meaning the more they discover of space, the more they discover of space, the more we invent telescopes and, and things that help us see the world around us, the more we see the ever-expanding reality of life. How many know there is a God, right? The greatest being. And let me tell you something amazing. Not only is he big, but he's personal. Let me show you it. For God, come on, he's not just neutral. God is a God of, come on somebody, God of what? God of love. Not only is he the greatest being, but Christmas is the greatest reason. This is God showing love to humanity. You say, Pastor, what is God's character like? What's his nature like? What, what is he like? He's a God of love. That's what the story of Christmas shouts. It shouts a God who's generous. A God who gives of his own family, his son. In fact, in 1 John, the same uh, human author, John describes God. He says, if I had to give you a description of his character, our God is love. And let me just say this, because our culture is shouting and trying to hijack love and turn the church into a place of hate. But I want you to know, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching people declare that God is love. Can I get an amen today, right? Like, God is love. He's not hatred. He's not division. Yes, he has holy standards in a way that's designed for human flourishing. But the story of the gospel is not of a God in John 3, 17, who's come to judge the world but, or to condemn the world, but to offer the world life and hope. God is love. You say, Pastor, who does God love? Well, John tells us, for God so love. Come on, somebody. He loves what? The world, that means he loves everybody. That means he loves, he loves people with a lot of stuff and people with a little stuff. That means he loves bad people and good people. That means he loves Ohio State Buckeye fans. He loves everybody. Amen. I mean, everybody. In fact, uh, in the world, the gospel, the word cosmos is there. That God so loved, come on, somebody so loved the world. This is the greatest need. That the entire, have you ever noticed how, how broken our world is? 
I mean, just in the last couple weeks in our own commonwealth, multiple senseless tragedies, shootings. I mean, just an hour west of us, in our own community, Chesapeake, Charlottesville. I mean, our own community. I mean, just have you ever noticed how teetering on anarchy our world is? I mean, whether, whether it's wars, I mean, every time you watch the morning news, some country shooting off a nuke or uh, uh, abusing people or genocide and broken, our world is broken. How many know God so loves a broken world, right? And in fact, church, I just, it's been on my heart. I, we need to be people that preach the truth and hold out holiness and what God teaches. But let's not be a church that just curses darkness. Let's be a church that shines light in darkness. Let's be a church that says, you, you, you've got some problems, you've walked through some stuff. Well, I've got great news for you. There's a God who loves the world, you, who loves the whole world. In fact, let me show you, even John Calvin used these words. The Father loves the human race and wishes that none should perish. God's desire is to rescue people, and he proves his love for the world. Let me show you it. God so loved the world, he doesn't just talk about it. Come on, somebody. God so loved the world that he what? He... He does something about it. He gave. God doesn't just a God who talks about love. He's a God who acts on love. He's not only the greatest being with the greatest message. He, he's a God who, who takes the greatest act. God so loved the world that he gave. In fact, this is why we give gifts around Christmas. Because it's a picture of the generosity of God. Heard an old story about a kid who wanted a new bike for Christmas. And his mom told him, well, why don't you write a note to Jesus and ask Jesus, and if you've been good all year, I'm sure he'll get you a bike for Christmas. So the kid sat down with a piece of paper, and he said, dear Jesus, you know I've been good all year. And then he thought about it and said, I haven't been. He ripped up the paper. And he said, dear Jesus, you know, despite my sister being annoying, how nice I was to her all year. And he thought, no, I wasn't. And he ripped it up and he kind of depressed. He thought to himself, I'm definitely not getting a bike this year for Christmas. So he's walking through the town square the next afternoon and he walked by a nativity scene. He saw Mary and Joseph and the baby and he had an idea and he, he, he grabbed onto the statue of Mary and took it home. And he slid the statue of Mary under his bed and he got out a pen and piece of paper and he said, dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, I don't care who you are, that's funny, right? <laughs> and some of us think we have to manipulate God to get his love or prove to him our goodness. I want you to know something. The love of God is not based upon our own goodness. It's based upon his lavish love. We don't do something to earn it or deserve it. We don't, we, we, it's not like he's making a list and checking it twice, trying to figure out who did good and did bad. No, no, no. He's a God who has come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In fact, not only did he give, let me show you how precious the gift was that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Come on, his only, his only son. Come on, where are Carter and Connor? Come on up here today, Carter and Connor. You're in this room somewhere, aren't you guys? You should be. Come on, give it up for my helpers today. <laughs> Carter over here. Connor, you come on over here. Um, now, now, we love Connor. He's a friend of our family. But I want you to imagine you did something wrong. You've never done anything wrong, have you? No. no. But let's say you did something wrong, okay? And you're supposed to get in trouble for it, okay? Imagine if I would come and give my own son 
to take your penalty. That would be pretty nice of me, wouldn't it? Because you deserve to be in trouble for whatever you did, right? And I love you, right? But how many know I don't love you like I love him? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, I do too. Thank you for getting dressed up today uh, for church. We'll talk about that later. I had a circle around. Well, this is, uh, this is interesting. See, at your house? Do you have product at your house or anything? But um, here's the point. I love Connor because he's a friend of our family. But how many know I love Carter because he's my son? How many know you love your kids more than you love my kids? In fact, I'll never forget, I had, when we were, when we were in, um, about 20 years ago, we were having dinner with this mentor of ours, and uh, his name is Bill Kirk, and our baby was just little, 18 years ago, and it was a Sunday night in Cracker Barrel, and Bill Kirk was his name, and he was this great pastor leader, and he had taken his shoes off, is this interesting? Yeah, he's taking his shoes off. And he was just relaxing, and he was holding our little baby, and she had an, she started leaking from the lower areas. And I watched this, whatever it was, just drip right into his shoes. And in that moment, how many know your, how many know your kid's stuff is grosser than my kid's stuff to me, right? And in that moment, I realized, man, there's something about your own kids. Here's what I want you to know. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved. How many know I love my only son, even when he doesn't dress like he should for church? <laughs> Come on, thank Carter and Connor. Thank you guys for helping me out. Because God not only gives a gift, he gives his own son. He gives the greatest. Come on, the greatest. This isn't a re-gift. This is a gift. <laughs> The gift of his only son, spotless lamb of God, who'd never done any wrong, eternally begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. I love the old hymn, word of the father now in flesh appearing. God gave his son. God doesn't send an angel. God doesn't send a messenger. God sends the sacrifice of his own son, proves his love in this. And in that, he gives an offer to us. So that, here's who it's for. It's for who? It's for whoever's. Do I have any whoever's in the room today? How many fit in the whoever? I love this about our message of Jesus. It's not for people who are from a certain part of town or have a certain family history or have done enough good stuff. How many know the message of Jesus is for whoever's? Jesus said, anyone who comes, I will not cast him out. The story of the gospel is not only the greatest being, the greatest love. Come on, somebody, it's the greatest what? Greatest offer. It's the greatest offer. I want you to think of this, that God would give his own son for us. Romans 8, and if he gave us his son, how will he not also along with Christ freely give us all things? The greatest offer of all is Jesus. In fact, here's what he says. He says, the only thing that the whoever's have to do is look at this. The only thing that whoever's have to do, come on, is what? Is believe. Do you know the gift of God is his son, but how many know you have to open that gift? You have to receive that gift. In fact, some of our friends who own a business told us, they said the greatest thing that makes money in our gift is un, in our, in our uh, business is unredeemed gift cards. 
And they actually said in their business, 60% of gift cards that are purchased are never redeemed. Watch this. How many of you have ever lost a gift card or not used it? Come on, raise your hand. This is why they love gift cards. I know I've found gift cards and brought them back, and they're like, sir, this is from 1998. I'm like, I know. I found it in a drawer somewhere, you know. Because it's one thing to get the gift of a gift card, but you only get the benefit of that when you receive that gift and act on it. And what the gospel says is that whoever, whoever the message is a gift of God's love, but it's only, it's only enacted when we believe, when we respond to it, right? We have to act in faith on what God has called us to, right? You remember the old story of the, the tightrope walker across Niagara Falls from the 1950s? He walked across the tightrope with the, with the, what do you call the thing, the bar thing? Yeah, that. And then the next time he went across with a wheelbarrow, and everybody was amazed there and back. And, and he finally turned to the crowd and he said, how many believe I could actually put a person in this wheelbarrow and walk across? And the whole crowd raised their hand. And he said, and who will be the volunteer? How many know it's one thing to believe he can do it? <laughs> It's another thing to believe he can do it. And that's what I'm saying today. The question James 2 says that even the demons believe there's a God. The question today is not whether or not you believe there's a God. Or the question is not whether or not you believe that Jesus exists. Biblical belief is a full trusting in. A full relying in. Like when you walked into the room today, you saw a chair and you sat down. You believed. You trusted in its ability to hold you. And that's what biblical belief is. It's trusting in God to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. It's a full abandonment of our own self and a belief, a trust, a confidence, a belief. And literally the Bible says whoever believes, come on, but not just believes anything, believes in who? Believes in, in him. In fact, let me just say this this weekend. We as a church believe that our faith must be pointed at one person to be effective. In fact, I don't know if you know, there's a teaching that's swirling around in the world today called universalism, which says that everyone who believes anything kind of all gets you, all the roads get you the same destination. And that's a great thing to believe, except it's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that, that you can only come to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. That there's an exclusivity, that Jesus is unlike the other gods, that he, that you must believe, but you must believe in who? In, in him. That there's a, there's a factuality to who Jesus was. My sons and I are going through a book by Lee Strobel, which proves the, an investigation he went on, went on in his life about faith. And, and he describes researching the resurrection. And how Corinthians and some of the gospel writers are 30 to 40 years after Jesus' life. And the writers say there were 500 witnesses. And, and, all, ever, and in fact, 12, uh, the disciples died for their own faith. And when they're being executed for their faith, they were told to deny the resurrection and they could live. But all of them went from, went from after Jesus' death being confused to somehow being willing to die for something. And literally, the, the thing that turned them from confused, bewildered followers to wholehearted people willing to die is they had seen a man who was buried. And yet on the third day, they saw a stone pushed away. And for 40 days, they saw this Jesus appearing places. 
And he wasn't just appeared to a couple different people. The Bible says he appeared to 500 different witnesses that Paul and the other disciple, other apostles could point to and interview. Eyewitness testimony of a resurrection. Here's what I'm saying today. I'm, I'm not here to try to bash other religions or anything like that. I'm just here to say Jesus Christ stands alone. He is not just a moral teacher. He does not just give us a golden rule. He is not just a good man. In fact, C.S. Lewis says he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Meaning all religions say this, well, Jesus is a good guy, but he's not the son of God. Well, here's the problem. He claimed to be the son of God. So he's either crazy or he's God. But I'm telling you, something happened with a handful of Jewish fishermen that turned their world upside down. And it was this. They saw a dead man on the third day raised from the dead. And they realized he was not just another moral teacher. He was the son of the living God. And the, and the gospel of Christmas is not whoever believes on anything. Fairy dust, twinkle dust, blah, 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 whatever you think. You know, just like think whatever you think, religious smorgasbord, we're all getting there in the same way. No, no, no. The gospel is Jesus Christ and him alone. He is, he is this weekend. He is, come on, the greatest savior. Yeah. He, whoever believes in what? In him. He has come to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Oh, to see the wonder of who Jesus is. Oh, to see the amazement of a God who was not born to rule over his people, but born in humble infancy, born in a back uh, alley, and literally give his life a ransom for many. And on the third day, prove it effective. Oh, to worship. How many know, come and behold him. Born the king of angels, right? I mean, that's what Christmas is. It's whoever believes in who, in who? Jesus. Maybe you're new here this week and you say, what's the chapel about? We're about Jesus. Hey, we're about Jesus. Hey, we're about Jesus. Hey, am I in the right room? We're about Jesus. <laughs> I guess that's all we got. That's all we hold to. That's all we cling to. Jesus, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, I know this is unpopular, but shall not perish. Man, I was thinking, I know this is Christmas and I'm supposed to be happy and I'm in a sweater. And, and I know there's Christmas parties this week. But we really believe the Bible teaches there is a heaven and there is a hell. And that for those who place their faith in Jesus, you shall not perish. In fact, do you know hell is just when we choose to pay the penalty for our own sins. That's all hell is. C.S. Lewis said hell is the, is the room that's locked from the inside because we choose it. And friends, if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, then Jesus came to help us, help us have eternal life. And Jesus said, whoever believes in him shall not what? Come on, shall not perish. It's, the, it's, the literal, it's literally the greatest promise <laughs> that we don't have to be afraid of, of separation, eternal separation from God. One theologian said, if you're a Christian, this, this earthly life is as close to hell as you'll ever be. But if you don't know Jesus, this earthly life is as close to heaven as you'll ever be. Because either we believe in him and trust Christ to pay the penalty for our own sin, or we choose to pay with our own lives the penalty for our own sin in separation from God. And I, I, know, I know there's a whole group of churches 
that say that's not cool anymore and we should take these verses. I don't know any other way to read it except you shall not perish. And I'm, how many are thankful for the hope of heaven? Come on. Thankful for the hope of heaven. He tells us why. Because but. <laughs> this is why there are 12 points today. Because but is one of them. Come on. Here's what he's doing. He's giving you a difference. He's saying there's a way to do your own life. And a way to do it with God. He's literally talking about the greatest difference in the world. He has come not to, not to lead us to perishing, but to but a different way of life. Ephesians 2, 1 to 4, For you were dead in your trespasses and sins, separated from God. In fact, the word in Ephesians 2, sin and trespasses are two different Greek words. Sin means when you miss the mark. It's when you line up the arrow, shoot it at the target, and you miss the mark. Anybody ever miss the mark? My mom's watching today. We had this awkward moment on Thanksgiving. She made these pumpkin pies, and when you cut into them, it was like they were very wet. <laughs> and she, she said, how are the pumpkin pie? And I said, it's good. She said, really? Because I don't normally make the pumpkin pie. You really think it's good? And now when you, the first time you're allowed to lie to honor your mom... When she asks a clarifying question, you have to be honest. And I said, I think next year someone else should do the pumpkin pie. Because it's like, it's very wet. Is it supposed to just be a soup here? Mom, I love you. Yeah. Has anybody ever missed the mark, right? Just tried to do some Bible says sin, but also says the word trespasses. This is when we choose to do things our own way. And the Bible says, but Christ has come to redeem us from both the greatest sacrifice that we that we shall not perish but we have eternal life we what we have i love this just write this down this weekend the great certainty we have friends do you know in the last week we've had to stand in our church with two families walking through losses great families wonderful families both of the losses were too young and too early. And I don't know what I would do as a pastor without this. Because even though there's a hole, and even though there's loss, and there are questions and uncertainty, sure. We had two families that stood in this house and said, even though our hearts are broken, we wish it didn't go this way. We have the hope that this is not um, goodbye. It's just till we see them again. How many are grateful for the certainty that we have eternal life? We have eternal life. It's, it's a certainty in our life. And, and that's not arrogant because it's not based upon our own righteousness or our own good works. It's a certainty that we have. First John says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal. You know you can know. Do you know you can know? God hasn't designed us to go through life uncertain on this one. Do you know you can know? I've asked people, are you sure you have a relationship with God? Well, I hope so. I'm thinking so. Maybe. You can know. You can know. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm headed. Jesus turned to the thief on the cross, and what did he say? Today you will be with me, what, in 
meaning like no doubt about it, right? You're going there. Shall not perish, but I love this, but come on, have, come on, somebody, eternal what? Eternal life. Eternal life. What a gift. Katie and I started dating when we were 16 and one of our second Christmas together, we'd been dating maybe a year or so and uh, my mom bought me these pink slippers. They were pink and turquoise. They were like a combination. I think they were one of those gifts. Have you ever been to a store and if you buy three of something else, they give you something? So I opened them and I, I guess I gave it away on my face and she's like, oh, you don't like them? And I was like, no, I like them. And she's like, no, I don't think you like them. I said, no, I don't. I don't like them. And uh, the next week I was at Katie's parents' house. So here I'm dating this girl. I want to impress her parents. Katie's dad says to me, we bought you, we heard your mom got you some bad slippers. And I said, she got me bad slippers. And they said, well, we want to make up for that. Uh, So we bought you some slippers so you didn't have to wear those bad slippers. I said, this is amazing. Thank you. So I opened the slippers and as I pull back the lid on the, I'm staring at the same slippers. And I had this moment, I didn't know what to do because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And my instincts were to lie. And um, the good news is I didn't lie. Not because I was full of integrity. I thought Katie would call me out on it and she knew what the other slippers looked like. So my future father-in-law said to me, Bram, what do you think of these slippers? And I said, I'm just, I'm just confused. And then he started laughing and Katie's mom started laughing and I realized there was a trick. He had heard about the bad slippers. He had asked my parents for the bad slippers. He had rewrapped them to test my integrity. Come on, that's a good, that's a good father-in-law. I want to see if you're an honest man. How many have ever gotten a bad gift at Christmas? Come on, don't raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've gotten a bad gift and the person that gave it to you is in this room. Come on, just raise your hand all over. I see that hand, I see that hand. I have great news. The great gift of Jesus is eternal life, forever life, heaven life, a life here and in the life to come where we're forever in the presence of Jesus Christ. What is, what is uh, Christmas? It's the greatest possession, eternal life. Come on, somebody, the greatest possession for God. So, come on, what? So what? Love the world that he what? He gave his what? His only begotten son that whoever what come on believes in him shall not but have everlasting life can we just take one second and say thank you god for eternal life can we do that today thank you god for eternal life thank you for your generosity in jesus would you bow with me all over this room and in just a second i'm gonna turn the service over to scott's edition in just a second nobody's looking around you're here today you say pastor I'm not sure I've ever opened that gift. I'm not sure I've ever received that gift. Man, there would be nothing that would thrill us more today than if you'd hear the greatest verse in the Bible with the greatest news in the Bible and you'd just open that gift. No one's looking around. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I'd just love to pray for you. So no one's looking around, but if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure... I have a relationship with God or I walked away from it. Pray for me today. I need to receive this gift. Come on, just raise your hand all over this room and say, I need to receive this gift. Yes, thank you, sir. Anybody else, pray for me. Yes, ma'am. 
Anybody else? Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at in my own relationship with God. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? One last time. Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to open my heart to Jesus. And right where you're seated. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. You just say, Lord, I, I know I've sinned and come up short. But today I'm reminded that you love me. And that you sent your son to rescue me. So today I place my faith in Jesus. I believe he lived and died and rose again. So this holiday season, I receive the gift of Jesus. I receive the gift of eternal life. I place my faith in you. I trust in you. Turn away from my sin and myself. God, I'm beginning a relationship with you or I'm coming back home to it. God, I pray your grace would help me live it out and trust you and serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name.